We preached a few weeks ago, 1 Kings 13, about, you know, traits of the man of God. Because there's this man called the man of God in this chapter. There's actually a second one. But there's this primary character in this chapter. In fact, I think it mentions, um, get this, 15 times. 15 times in this chapter, this phrase, the man of God. That's more times in that chapter than any other chapter in Kings. So there's this emphasis on this guy who's of God. And there's so many different kind of angles. that I kind of struggled actually preparing a message. Like, which angle should I come at? There's so many different things to preach on. So there's this guy in this chapter. And we preached about him confronting this king. And then we kind of ended it at that. But there's another part of the story. And the other part of the story Basically, I'm trying to, there's, again, there's several different ways to emphasize the chapter, but I'm just going to emphasize it from this basic general but very strong truth is this. The rest of the chapter basically shows us that God's word stands, like stands against everything. And it's to be, it's to be yielded to in spite of everything else. And that's what we see stand out in this chapter. So let's just be patient. I'm not going to try to drag this out any longer than it has to be, but I do want to read the whole chapter because I want you to get the story again that we had preached, and I'll refer to it briefly again, and then I want to read all the new material, okay, as we get into these adventures of kings and prophets. Okay, praying this is a blessing to us all tonight. All right, 1 Kings 13. Verse 1, and behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when, the king, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth again, forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and it became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, I will, if thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Here's the rest of the story. Now there dwelt at 
Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his son, Saddle me the ass, that means the donkey. And they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me, and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drink water. Verse 20, And it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread and drunk water in this place, of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And when they came and told it in the city, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt, and when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. And he spake unto to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him, and he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn, to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother! And it came to pass, after he had buried him. And he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried, and lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria, shall surely come to pass.
After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people, priests of the high places, whomsoever, whoever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became a sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and destroy it from the face of the earth. So this is a this is a amazing story. So um, let's just get into this. Let's just get. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you some components relating to the fact that God's word still stands. Okay, God's word stands against combative people. <laughs> so here's this guy. There came. It says in verse. Chapter 13, verse 1, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord. So what's happening? Here's a, here's a, a prophet, a man of God. And he, so remember, remember you have the kind of like the northern part of the country and the southern part. It's a split country. The northern part's compromised. They're, they're starting to do this uh, false worship. It's a man-made worship. Jeroboam the king says, you know, I got this cool way of, I got this cool way of doing the worship now. And he's like, because I don't want to lose people. I want to keep people united. It's interesting. The very thing that he tried to use this altar to unite people became the very thing that would destroy them. Really, in 200 years, it would be gone. So he's like, I got this own way. I'm going to do things. And I'm going to worship the way I want us to worship, the way people like it. You know, and he had his ideas of his own heart, you know, contrived of his own heart. You don't necessarily contrive things of our own heart. We say, what does God say? And I adapt to that. So anyways, he, he does this. And so there's this, so there's, there's this king that's going to do worship his own way. And God, <laughs> God always speaks to that. God's a confrontational God. His, his word, God's word confronts. Confronts. And people, when it confronts, what happens? Sometimes people consent or combat. And that's what you have here. So here's this guy, unnamed prophet. God's word came to him and says, all right, you go show up over here at this, at this worship service and just, you know, crash the party. Here's what you're going to say. You're going to talk to the altar. You're going to say, oh, altar, altar. There's going to be bones of those priests offered on you, and they're going to be burnt on there, and, uh, and they're going to be done by a king that's going to come one day named Josiah and cry against the altar. And so, the, so this prophet shows up, and, and, he, and he sees the king doing his worship service. He says, oh, altar, altar. And he cries against the altar. He says, one day the, the bones of the priests that are in this place are going to be burnt and offered on that altar. And while he was preaching against this false worship, again, God's word confronts here. While he was doing that, the man who's at the altar, the Jer- Jeroboam, says, hey, get that guy. And when he did that, God instantly starts verifying his word. <laughs> He goes, hey, oh, oh, my hand. He's probably right-handed. I'm lefty. So he's, ah, oh. and then, and then, and then the, the prophet's just standing there, not doing much. All of a sudden, the king's now, he's combative, but then he starts asking prayer because, oh, pray for my hand, you know? And so a lot of times, God's word stands, it stands still against combative people. Um, people are, I mean, right, aren't we like that right now? The uh, open-minded, tolerant crowd in the United States, you know, love, preaching love and tolerance. If you say a few things lovingly about against their sin, the demons come out of them. And, I, and in reality, 
I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, if, you, if we preach basic things in love, even against homosexuality, even just fornicating and stuff like that, let alone that, you know, all, people, monster will come out of them. And they're combative. But we got to remember, look, if they persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute us. And, and in a way, they're not fighting merely against us. They're fighting against God's word. But we're, we're, we're the face of that. And that's just how it is. So God's word still stands. It stands against combative people. This guy got a little combative. And then he gets his answer to prayer, and he's like, hey, man. And he wants to be compromising. So God's word, the next thing we see, God's word has compromisers, where people want to get you to compromise with them about it. He really never changed. The guy who had his hand healed never changed. But the story goes into this, verse 11. Now there dwells an old prophet in Bethel. Now we're introduced to a man who's a compromise. So do you see this scene? This whole showdown took place. The prophet preaches against the king, and the king's like, hey, get him. Oh, my hand. Pray for me. His hand's healed. And by the way, that very day, the, the altar just broke. I mean, it's divine. It's went crack, and the ashes poured out. And the prophet said, that's going to happen. So you know that God's speaking by me. This, this altar's going to crack, and the ashes are going to pour out. And it happened right then to verify God just met here. And so that whole scene happened. And then the next thing you see, verse 11, there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done. So when this whole scene happened, there's some guys that were there. It's very likely what it's saying is that there's these two guys that were brothers. Their dad was an old preacher. Their dad was an old prophet. And these two guys were like, whoa, we saw that. Wow, that this no-name preacher from June. Wow. Whoa. And they saw the preacher leave, the prophet leave. He wasn't supposed to go down the same highway that he came in. If he came in on I-10, he's supposed to go on I-5 to go away, you know, of their roads. Don't go back. Don't, don't even eat or don't drink anything. Don't take a cup of water from him. Don't go back down the road here. I don't know why. Just God, maybe God's just like, you know what? You come in here like you don't want to have anything to do with anything of them. Blow the dust off. It was that kind of attitude. Don't even have, I don't want dust on me from this place because it's, it's saying, God saying, this is a place of rebels, and I don't want anything. So he told the prophet, you just go about the other way. And these guys were watching this all happen, like, where'd he go? Where'd that old prophet, that, that other preacher, he'd be younger. Their dad was the old prophet. And so these guys who, so these boys, these sons, must have been complicit somehow in this thing. They were okay going to the Jeroboam's thing. It doesn't seem like they're crying against it. It doesn't seem like their dad's crying against it. He's not there. He's not in Judah. He's just at his house. He's compromised. He's not saying anything. He's dwelling in a place of compromise, but not saying anything. For us, again, this is for us. We have to, at some level, be not like this old prophet. We're living in a Bethel-type scenario. We're living in a Sodom and Gomorrah-type scenario. We have to say something. If we're working with people, after so long, they need to know where you stand. After, in, after so long in a neighborhood, people need to know you where you stand. Not that you have to come up like this, but they can, I'm not with this cultural garbage. I'm not with this woke stuff. I'm with God, you know. And so in some ways, we can't be just like, I'm here, but I'm the, you know, I'm an FBI type. I'm an undercover type. And this is how this, so this old prophet was, was at his house. His boys were at this thing, and they come back. You know what we saw? They tell their dad. You know what? We saw this guy, this prophet came and he preached against Jeroboam and this and that happened. And wow, it was amazing. And the old prophet's like, where'd he go? 
There was something different. There's something weird about this guy. It's almost like maybe there's a part of him that wants to either get the younger prophet to compromise with him or just playing around with him. But he told us, which way do you go? I want to find him. And his boys are like, he went down this way. He goes, well, get the donkey ready. So he gets on the donkey and he starts going, I'm going to go find this prophet. And so he goes to find the prophet, and it's totally understandable. What's the prophet doing? He didn't get to eat anything. He didn't get to drink anything. That's what God said to do. Sometimes we have to suffer and just endure some things God tells us until he's done with that phase. Okay? That was his charge. The guy's sitting under a tree. I would be too. It says he found him under a tree, verse, uh, oh, verse 14, out of the man of God. He went and found him sitting under an oak. And said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. So now we see, the next thing I want you to see as we describe the next part, is that God's word is sometimes compelled against. Okay? So this guy's trying to do what God says. He, he comes in, the, young, the younger prophet comes in, confronts the, the king. They have the showdown. And he leaves. And when he goes to sit down under this oak, he has a charge. He has to do this. He has to go out this way. Don't go into anybody's house. Don't eat any food. That was his charge. That was God's word for him. That was God's leading. You ever have God's leading for you? It's like, okay, God strongly shows you do this, this, and this. He shows you, and that's what he was doing. He's following God. Well, sometimes there's appeals that appeal against that. I feel it a lot for myself. It's not fun. But he's compelled against. So here's this guy. He's going on the donkey. Hey, you're the man. I can tell you're a preacher. Are you the man of God that was in Bethel? I am. Hey. You know, they have a little preacher's fellowship. Sometimes, just kind of from a standpoint of a pastor, sometimes odd people take interest in you, and you got to watch out for them. I've had it happen where... Even a pre, I have to be cautious. I kind of have to size up people when somebody's taking interest in me. Not, not merely just kind of like in the church congregate, but preacher sense. And somebody that's taking it, uh, what, what are they interested in here? You know, well, here's this priest. He's taking interest in this, no, this unnamed, bold prophet. Hey, are you the, yeah, yeah, I am. He says, hey, why don't you come home with me? And he repeats back, he's not so. God told me I need to come in, do the thing. Go out the other way, don't eat bread, don't drink water, don't go to anybody's house. That's what God told me to do. And then, here we go, God's word is compelled against, but then God's word is contradicted. Because now he answers this guy who's fatigued. He's probably thirsty. He might have cotton mouth. He's probably hungry after he gets his drink. And, And he's like, man, I can't wait to get back to my bed. He says, hey, come on back with me. For the Lord spake to me. Let's get his exact words here. He said unto him, verse 18, I am a prophet also as thou art. Now that part was true. I am a prophet also as thou art. This part's not, unless it's a false angel that spake to him. An angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So that would tell me that he, an angel didn't speak. If you just take that last part, an angel didn't speak unto him because he lied saying that the angel spake to him. But he lied unto him. And so he says, hey, I'm a prophet like you. You know, an angel told me to come get you. 
I know we're still in the vicinity of Bethel and you're not in Judah. He told me to get you and take you to my house and feed. Look, he's making an appeal. He, he's making a, a strong appeal of this guy who's following the Lord. He's saying, you're probably hungry, aren't you? Yeah, well, that makes sense. You're probably thirsty. Yeah, that makes sense. You're probably tired, huh? Yeah, that, doesn't it? He's making a reasonable appeal to him. Sometimes reasonable appeals, if they contradict God's word, I, don't, I can't follow that. We have to remember, again, God's word, when God, it's, this is kind of a twofold application. God's word, the Bible, when I'm reading it, it stands. I got to do it. But also when I have strong leading from God, that stands in spite of what everything else is saying. All right? And so he said, an angel spake to me. That reminds us again of the Joseph Smith scenario, right? What does he say? An angel spake to me. Oh, yes, we like the Bible, but an angel also told me. You know, and he, he brings in the, the angel thing. In his case, maybe he did have a demonic angel show him this false vision. All right, so God's word sometimes contradicted. So it says, an angel spake to me, but he lied unto him. Verse 19, so he went back with them and did eat bread in his house and drink water. Let's just stop for a minute. It's, it, it, we have to just kind of think on this for a minute. Huh. God does not is not the author of confusion, right? So in the Bible, we say as a, as a, you know, the Bible does not contradict itself. There's some places that are hard to, some places that are hard to reconcile, but it doesn't, God's not contradicting himself. Um, there's times where God had a covenant and it was fulfilled and then he has a new covenant, things like that where there's things to do for this period of time. But he's not, on a doctrinal sense and a moral sense, contradictory. Nor does he personally, I would say, contradict where he says, hey, you, I'm leading you to do this. And then all of a sudden he tells you something exactly opposite. You're like, what? God doesn't contradict. And so here, here it is. He's, he's, he's accepting man's revelation. What man's, I'm sorry, this man sitting down who's tired is accepting this, saying, all right, what did he need to do? He just said, wait, in spite of my hunger, in spite of my, uh, what are you, old, you're a preacher, huh? In spite of the fact that he said he's a preacher, didn't matter. That can't trump, override the clear leading of God that was already stated. The word of God that's already stated, it can't override that. Let me just stop for a second. All right, let's just kind of have a little thing here. Um, we know we like pastors and preachers in this church. You like them to come, guest speakers, and maybe some you like to listen to. That's great. In here, there's a, there's some there's some pretty good ones. Uh, not that many on the radio though. Eighty-eight point three is a station. That's not bad. A little better than the other stations. You know, there's some you can if you want to know more. I'll let you know where to find more. There's some, but it doesn't matter how big a name of a pastor is or a preacher. If they uh, at one point contradict the Bible, you can't follow it. Not that you may say, oh, they're done forever. You don't say it. Sometimes they need correcting too. Just like this guy. It was severe though. But we can't follow something just because, oh, this is an old preacher. Or this is an old, say, wait, well, well, I know what you're saying, but God still told me this. Or God still says this. Or God, I still have to follow the, the Bible at the end of the day. There's, some, there's been a few things, that, uh, there's been a few issues that I've had to deal with as a pastor, 
I don't want to really talk about them right now. There's been at least about two issues that I've had to deal with as a pastor where I had friends that were all doing this one thing and had this one mindset about a few issues and church re- relating to church stuff. And I was like, that's not, that's not what the Bible says. And I kind of had to choose against, it's kind of a mi- couple minor things, but I had to choose against that, even though I had some pastor friends and big-name preachers that took this certain position, I had to choose against it because I just don't see it in the Bible. And so... Um, Here's this, I feel bad for him. I, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be proud and, you know, high-minded here. This can happen to you. He's sitting, he's tired. Man, oh, hey, preacher. Man, I'd love to get a drink. I'm kind of hungry. You know, God told me not to go back with anybody and everything. What? God told, an angel told you? Well, I should, an angel told him. I mean, he should have said, wait, it doesn't matter. I'm going to have to disrespect, seemingly disrespect this guy. Respectfully disrespect them. I can't. I can't, brother. Why are you living in Bethel anyways? I should have said that. Come on over to our side. See, he was kind of playing. This guy was a compromiser, this old prophet. All right, so God's word is compelled against. It's contradicted. But here, this is a, this is, gets, it still gets interesting, so stay with me in the Bible here. Now we see God's word can be Compromising God's word can be cause for chastening. That's really the, what you see, verses 20 to 26. So here's what happens next. It says, verse 20, so he went back with him, verse 19, and ate and drank. Verse 20 says, It came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. Okay, this, is, this has got to be weird. This is, I'm telling you, that's why I'm like, this is a very unusual story so they're sitting there eating having their hummus and their whatever and i always say hummus when i think of jewish <laughs> lamb euros i don't know what it is they had some jewish salsa i don't know what it was they're eating and then it's kind of like they're eating away and saying man the guy's like man i'm so I'm so thirsty i'm glad i got some water and then all of a sudden okay remember this guy's called an old prophet it's almost like he hadn't been in use for a while it's kind of like the old car fired up. You ever had an old car sitting? All of a sudden, you know, and boom, blows the smoke. The old guy fired up. This was real this time. He wasn't fake. Boom. It's like, oh, this was real. Let's say it the Lord. And he went at, he just said, it was almost like God just went right through him in truth. There was no lie. And that younger pastor, preacher, he said, thus saith the Lord. Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and what I said, I'm paraphrasing, because you disobeyed the word of the Lord and what I said, you're not going to get buried in your hometown among the sepulchers of your fathers. That was an honor to have that happen. You're not going to get buried there. He kind of left it like that. Almost a mysterious thing's going to happen. You're not getting buried in your hometown. And it was like he's sitting there probably on the other side. It probably was in such a way with such a gravitas to it. Like, Whoa, that really was God's word. I think I know that when I hear that. And I, th- this is another thing. This old pastor, I keep saying pastor, this prophet, he probably felt like, he probably felt just as scared as the guy he said it to. Do you follow what happened? This is a compromiser. He lied and got this young guy to, to, to compromise and follow him. And they're sitting there eating, thinking everything's okay. And then God's rule really comes out right in front of both of them. And he realized this guy's going to die. I wonder what's going to happen to me. I don't know if they were already done eating, but 
anyways, it did say they, they had eaten bread, verse 23, and after he had drunk, verse 23, saddled for him to ask the prophet to bring him back. So they get up and maybe just finished up what they're doing. He says, all right, let's get you the, the donkey. Got the donkey all ready for this, for this younger prophet. Let's get on there. All right, we're going to let you go. I mean, it must have been like not much talk, you know. So God bless. I mean, what did they say? What did they say? Not much. He gets on the donkey and he goes his way. And this is, again, it keeps getting more interesting, this story. So he goes. So God's, so, so again, the, the idea that we're looking at, God's word stands. And it can stand as a cause for chastening a believer. You know, when I, if I compromise things in God's word or God's leading, I can invite chastening on myself. And chastening is when God is correcting his children. If you're going, and, and if your children are going on and on and on and on bad enough that he takes them home in death and say, hey, come on back. Come on home. If you aren't behaving, come on in the house then. So here this younger pastor, this younger prophet, this younger man of God is chastened. So he gets on the donkey and he's going his way. I don't know what he's thinking. But look what happens Verse 24, when he was gone, Eliam met him in the way and slew him. I don't like cats, and I'm not afraid of cats. I'm afraid of that cat, right? I'm afraid of that cat. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also by the carcass. This, and this is where it was like, whoa. This, so, this, so what you're going to see here in, in God chastening this guy, you're going to see... This is God chastening this guy. It's God is here. Because these animals are acting out of their normal behavior, obeying God out of their normal behavior. They're more obedient to God than this prophet was. So this, he's riding along, and then, whoa, the lion attacks him and kills him. Maybe just gets him in the jugular. Maybe a few simple things, and then, whap, and the guy's dead. And uh, the donkey just goes, okay, donkey stands there by him. <laughs> Nothing in this story now is acting according to nature. It's all supernatural. The donkey stays there, and this guy's dead, bleeding, gargling in his blood, and then dies. This carcass is there. And then the lion doesn't lay down there. Now, we've seen lions, right? You ever watch these BBC videos of the, you know, now watch this lion. He's going to go up on the... He's going to attack the gazelle. There he is. He's prowling. You know, you, you know this British voice describing the BBC videos of the nature. And so this line, he, you know, he, he got, uh, yeah. And so the line stands there, doesn't lay down, doesn't eat. Doesn't eat the donkey. He would love, I know they eat donkeys because they eat zebras. That's like similar, right? No, he could have had a big old meal. Could have topped it off with the prophet. But he stands there. And he stands there on all fours, not laying down. Standing there, this guy's dead, the donkey's standing there. And then, what does it say? Men passed by, verse 25, and saw the carcass in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And so the old prophet hears about it, verse 26, that <laughs> brought him back by the way hurt thereof. He said, it is the man of God who is disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him. 
and slain him according to the word of the Lord which he spake unto him. Now there's probably something that happened to this man who was a compromising prophet. He hears about this. He's like, whoa. So this old prophet hears two things that show this guy was really of God, even though he died in disobedience. This guy was really of God because he heard about what happened in Bethel, the showdown, the, the word to the king and the king's hand healing and then the altar broke. Whoa. And then again, word of God came through him. He goes his way. And he's like, that was really real. So here's a guy who was a compromising prophet that now I think shows towards the end of the story a little more fear of God again because he wants to get buried where he is. He says, whoa. Now, here's another really interesting thing in this story. We're not done. He went his way, verse 28. He gets on, he gets on a different donkey. Oh, go. oh, here we go. He went his way, verse 28, found the carcass in the way, the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the, the ass. The lion's still there, standing still, not eating here, not eating here. This one didn't run away. And then... This is where, I don't know if I could do this. It said, the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and bury him. So here he's this guy coming in, the old prophet. He's wanting to go, dun, 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 dun. there it is. The lion standing there. The donkey. The man. How many of you like to take food from a dog? <laughs> Even your dog that's been your nice doggy for so many years, he doesn't like you grabbing food from him. <laughs> you know, you have the, the bowl there, and, uh, you know, and you want to go, <laughs> you know. Well, how about a lion? And so this prophet, I, I don't know if it's showing his great faith. I don't know if it was like, you know what, maybe I'm meant to die too. I don't know. Even if he thought that, it's, it's got to be showing some element of faith. Even if you thought, God, kill me then if this is what's meant to happen, or I'm just going to, whatever. He goes, and he just, I would be like, hey, uh, how you doing? I just want to get this. I just want to get this guy right here. Hey, you okay with that? You okay with that? Okay, now I'll come back. I'll come back. I'll come back. That's what I would have been like. No, but he goes, and he takes him up, takes up the body, and the lion lets him, puts it on there, and rides home. Again, the, the point there is that this is, this is all God orchestrated. And I want you to see this thought. What was happening is this guy saw, it said that people from Bethel, they all came and saw that. Those people that were in Bethel were the ones at the, the cool service where this young prophet comes and disrupts it and says these things. And yeah, there was a couple unusual things happening, but maybe they're like, eh, I don't know about this guy. Well, they see that he dies, and he dies in an unusual way, that even in his disobedience, it still shows that God was in his life. And the word of God was in him. That's an interesting thing. So the old prophet takes up the body and, and rides home with it, and, he, and uh, he goes to Bethel. He's not going down into, so again, where would pe people, the Jews are very think, you know, particular about this. I want to be buried with my fathers. I want to be buried in my hometown. That was a big deal for them, where they're buried. And he didn't get that. you got to die early, and you're not going to get buried. You're going to get buried up in this area where it's a dishonor in this northern kingdom. So, in Bethel in particular. So, the old prophet brings him back. He, he mourns, and they, oh, alas, my brother, I think it was probably his sons are mourning. Alas, they, it's like there's this, this respect still for him. 
And there's this honor still for him. And they bury him. And um, so here's the next point I want you to see. God's word, watch this. God's word still stands even though, I, it, even though the messengers of it fail. Right? How many of us have known people, Christians, pastors, teachers, that they're good and then they failed in some way, or maybe failed and bounced back? They fail. You don't want them to? I don't want to. I, wanna, I don't care. I, I, I want to die if it means die poor and unknown, but right? That's what I want. But people fail. But when a person, a pastor that you may have liked or that was popular failed, the question is, did he still preach Bible? If he preached Bible, then it stands. He can't undo the Bible. So this young, this young prophet who messed up and gave in and was dead, that didn't undo his, the message. It's still true. The thing broke. And one day Josiah did show up 200 years later and was like burning those ashes on that altar. And Josiah did fulfill that prophecy. And uh, this old prophet knew what was going to happen. The word of God still stands in spite of failing messengers, if they're preaching the Word of God. If they're not preaching it in the first place, then who cares? And so, all right. So God's Word is cause to honor those who speak it. And that's what He does. So He honors them. So He says, Alas, my brother, verse 31, they came to pass the free had buried him, that he spake to his son, saying, When I'm dead, bury me in this sepulcher where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones. Verse 32, For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. So this is like a wake up for this older prophet. He tells his sons, we just put them in our sepulcher, but when I die, put me in there too. I want to identify with this guy. I want to identify with him because everything that's going to happen is really going to come to pass. And um, I didn't, you, you could read the rest of the story of when those bones were discovered with Josiah. I think it's in Maybe First Kings or Second Kings twenty three, but so here's the word of God. It's last of all, verse thirty three and thirty four. We learn that the word of God still stands. It continue even though it's resisted by those who dramatically are confronted with it. Look what the, look at this happens. So we I, I, so let me back up a little bit. I just told you this incredible story. It's true. This prophet confronts him. All this drama happens. He then he then he. He, changed, he uh, compromises and dies and all. Whoa, what's all this? These animals are acting out of sort. It's all that stuff. Jeroboam saw all that. Jeroboam's this other king who, was, who God's trying to get his attention. He saw the fingerprints of God all around him in this prophet, in his hand all of a sudden getting messed up and then healing instantly. In the, in the way that messenger who left him, how even how he died in disobedience, he still sees, wait, the fingerprints of God are on this. And yet, look what it says, verse 33. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of people, priests. He just said, hey, I'm going to pick whatever preachers I want. Whosoever he would, he concentrated. He even became one himself, a priest of the high places. And it affected the whole nation. Verse 34, this thing became a sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. From this, 200 years later, they didn't exist. So here's the point. God's word still stands, even though um, somebody is dramatically taught 
and confronted and shown and they reject it, just because an important person rejects it, just because a person who's seen amazing demonstrations of God's word rejects it, doesn't mean it's still to be rejected. It's still true, right? It's still true. Like, I've, I, there's been times where I'm like, hey, um, I hear about some Christian or some dignity being in a worship service where, you know, I know Paul, Pastor Chap, Paul Chapel got to preach in a service where there was Kamala Harris and Arnold Schwarzenegger. This was at a huge um, um, funeral, memorial service, I don't know, five, seven years ago. My son was there on the campus when it happened. He said that was the most biggest crowd they ever had. No, I'm sorry. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a different service. But anyways, there's a couple times where he got to preach when they're in the crowd, preach the gospel, and he did. And if they reject it, it doesn't mean that's invalid. It's still true, even if some very important intellectual person rejects it. And so it still stands. Even if it's only a bunch of humble people or unknown people that are adhering to it, it still stands. Let's just think about a couple things that, again, that I hope it emphasizes that, like, I, I, you know, I might seem a minority, but I'm still going to believe God. I'm going to believe things God teaches me. I'm going to believe what God tells me in my devotions today. I'm going to still follow the Lord. If he makes something really clear to me about getting this job or going here, moving here, make sure God's really in it. He's showing you this is the word of the Lord in the sense for you. Because that's how it was with this guy. He had a, the word of the Lord in a sense for him, unique. He said, don't go back on what I showed you. And for me, I'm thinking, what has God led me to do? What has God shown me to do that? I just need to keep doing till it's fulfilled. And he shows me it's fulfilled. And not let something else detract me or some other Christian with flowery words detract me. God's word still stands. God's leading of you stands until he makes it very clear himself to you. Know God's will firsthand for yourself. That's a key. Firsthand for yourself. God's word stands.